which really begins the, uh, uh, the history of the church there in Acts 1. And uh, the disciples, Jesus, um, he has uh, resurrected and he's appeared to the disciples um, for a number of days, number of weeks. Um, and he's continued to teach the disciples. And, uh, but now it's come to the day where he now uh, is going to ascend back to heaven. Uh, and there in Acts 1, uh, we see that the disciple, uh, Jesus uh, ascends to heaven, and the disciples, um, they just kind of watch it. And, and you know, uh, you can imagine how, like, um, just mind-blowing it is to, uh, to see Jesus uh, uh, in actual, real, physical, bodily form uh, ascend into heaven, into the clouds. And the disciples just standing there uh, watching in amazement, uh, and also just like, what is going on? <laughs> and they're just staring, and then along comes these two, uh, these two men in white robes, and, and they kind of, they're, they're like, what are you staring at? <laughs> why are you staring? Right? They're like, why are you staring? Jesus is going to come back, just like the way that he left. He's going to descend again, just like the way that he has ascended. And what those guys were really getting at, what the scripture is getting at, is the disciples were just kind of like, they were just um, focused uh, on staring at the, the, amazing, the amazement of what was happening in the ascension. And those guys were like, why are you staring? There's work to do. There's work to do. Get on with it. Stop staring. I mean, stop focusing on this. Jesus is going to come back just like the way he has ascended. There is work to do. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, what, is, what does that really mean? Our scripture is not that scripture in Acts 1. We're going to get into our scripture in 1 Thessalonians. We've been in this, uh, this, this sermon study in 1 Thessalonians, walking from beginning to end in this book in 1 Thessalonians. And, man, it's called a, a, a caught up. And it's really about uh, being caught up in Christ, not being caught up in the world and the things of this world, but caught up in Christ. And what that means is ultimately being caught up in hope. This book is about hope. It's about hope. And, you know, when we see what we see in the world is we, we see that uh, uh, hope in the world is really kind of like wishful thinking. It's more like wishful thinking. But biblical hope, Christ-centered hope is actually real. Jesus is the living hope. It's living hope. We, we, it's grounded in reality. We have a past event that it's grounded in, which is uh, his death on the cross. But it's also grounded in something that, in, in the resurrection, which means it's grounded in a future. It's grounded in a future. This is real, solid, biblical hope. That's what 1 Thessalonians is about, is this real hope, which is far different than the wishful thinking and the hope that we see in the world. And what we've learned is, man, hope... Biblical hope, really, it drives us to live a certain way. It drives us to live a certain way. You know, we, we tend to uh, compartmentalize our faith, do we not? We tend to compartmentalize our faith, and, you know, we, we look at our life like, okay, I got my job, and, like, that's for working, right? Our job is for working. School, that's for learning, right? School is for learning, and then you got leisure, and the le leisure is for playing, and then you've got like church, and that's what Sunday is for, you know? That's what Sunday is for. But man, what we see in the, in the Bible, and what we see through this hope, 
is that, man, faith is not just Sunday. It is Monday through Sunday. It's in work, man. It's in the schools. It's in our school. Wherever we're at, wherever we are, goes our faith. Goes our faith. Goes Jesus. So it has implications on how we're supposed to live. Faith is, is not just to be a part of our life. It's not just to be a part of our life. It is our life. It is the heart. It is the heart of our life. It's kind of like the arc reactor, you know, in like Avengers and, and like the Iron Man movies. The arc reactor is just this thing that like, it powers everything. It is just filled with this amazing, wondrous power to do all kinds of things. And, it, 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 and that, that's really what faith is. That's what it is. That's what we're called to, to, to have, this faith that just touches every part of our life. And we've seen so far now the past three weeks in 1 Thessalonians, what we see two weeks ago, we saw two weeks ago that this hope, it really drives us to, 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 to live out a life of sexual purity. Sexual purity. We saw that. Growing in sexual purity. Last week, what did we see? Last week, the text showed us that we're growing in what? We're growing in love. We're growing in love, not just for the world outside of us, people in the world growing particularly in love uh, with people within the church, within the church. That's kind of radical because, man, the world is filled with churches where the church just doesn't love each other. And the world sees this. And they're like, well, what's so different about the church than... You know, Jesus calls us to love each other. That's how we know that we're his disciples, is because we love each other here in the church. Now, Paul, he's giving us these instructions, uh, not just to be good, not to be good, but to be godly. That's what it's all about, is to be godly. We're, we're being introduced into God's holiness, and this is how it implies into our lives. And through faith, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things and to grow in them. So Paul now moves on to this third area. Here we are. We're in this, this third area uh, of trending. What's trending in our life? Remember how I was saying, you know, when you, go, when you go to Google something on the search bar, a list of trends come up. This is what's trending. This is what people are searching for right now in our culture. This is what's trending. And if somebody search bar your heart, what would come up as trending? What would be trending in your life? What are the heart proclivities that are trending in your life on the increase for better or for worse? And we saw that the past couple weeks, sexual purity and love for each other in the church. And now we're going to see this third area of our lives that man, should be trending in our lives. So let's get into the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's just two verses. Man, two powerful verses. Man, who, who'd have thought that such power could come from just two verses? Last week we saw just two verses. And here we are. These are our next two verses that kind of close out chapter 4. And it says this. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. <laughs> You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So that you will not be dependent on anybody. Man, people are ambitious, are we not? We're ambitious. 
we're ambitious people. We, we aspire to things, and that's good. God has put that in us. He's put it in us to be ambitious. God has made us ambitious. He has put ambitious in us for many things. Ultimately, man, he's put ambitious, ambitiousness in us for him. He wants us to be ambitious about him. And so what's one thing God wants us to aspire to? To, to be ambitious about with him, right? Now, it kind of seems like something big is coming, right? Because when we think of ambition, we think of like something really big and flashy. And man, I'm going to be successful and just, you know, do all this stuff. You know, we think something big is coming. But then what happens? What's he talking about? To be ambitious about. To lead a quiet life. To be ambitious about leading a quiet life. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Ambitious about leading a quiet life. You know, it's the simple things. It's the simple things that God cares about. This is so practical. You know, it might not be big to us. This is big to God. This is big to God. First, got to talk about what this is not. What this is not, leading a quiet life, what this is not. It's not a command to live a silent life. It's not a command to live a silent life. That's not what this is. It's not a command to retreat from people. It's not a command to seclude ourselves. It's not a command to draw away from the world and seclude ourselves. It's not a command to go off the grid. It's not a command to go off the grid. Paul is driving at something deeper much, much deeper here. You see, our culture, I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture is very loud. Our culture is very boastful. Our culture is very boastful. Our culture is very prideful. Our culture is very loud. Our culture is in your face. Is it not? It's very in your face. And really, it's because we're prideful and we're insecure. And it's not just people outside the church. It's us too, man. Man, this is for us. This letter, this is for us in the church. We can be that way too. We're people. We have these hearts. We're struggling with the, these sinful hearts uh, in our bodies. And man, we like to wear what we believe on our sleeves. Do we not? We see that in our culture, even in the church. We like to wear what we believe on our sleeves displaying our feelings openly and habitually and even just erratically, erratically. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a place for communicating what we believe. You know, there's a place for communicating what we believe and how we feel with wisdom, with wisdom, whether it's with, you know, a child, a parent, a friend, a spouse, a coworker. There's a place for that. There's a, there's a place for that. But there is an extreme side that we really see in our culture is just this extreme loudness, this uh, loudly, boastfully showing our pride in an in-your-face manner, publicly drawing attention to ourselves, drawing attention to ourselves. We love to just digitally machine gun people, right? We go on social media. Man, if you're messing with me, if you say the wrong thing, People just digitally machine gun each other on Facebook, man. It's not good. People are loud. People are boastful. Even on social media, we see it. Bickering and bantering like kids on a playground. 
bickering and bantering we see on news media outlets, all these the talking heads, all of this, loud, boastful, is because we want to be accepted. We want to be affirmed. We, we're desperate for, for love and acceptance and affirmation so badly that when we're not accepted, we're offended, right? When we're not accepted, when we're not affirmed, we're not loved the way we want to be loved, we're offended, we're cut. And when we're offended, we like to make it known. We like to make it known to everybody around us. And we see that in our culture. We live loud lives of disunity because we're so easily offended. We're delicate. We're delicate. We're delicate people. We're easily offended because we're insecure, but as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be different because we're secure. We should be secure. We should be secure in Christ. So what Paul is saying is that we're called, really, it's not about an absence of words. It's not just being silent and an absence of words. It's a state of being. It's a state of our heart. It's a, it's a state of being in our lives. In the midst of a loud and boastful culture, culture, it is today, it was then in Greek culture, in the Roman Empire, when this was written to the church, in the midst of a loud and boastful culture, wherever we are, we're called to not live a silent life, but a quiet life. A quiet life. Because the security of Christ's love, it empowers us to need less and to love more. In Christ, I am resourced. In Christ, I am resourced. I am resourced with God's love, unending, because of my faith and what he has done on the cross for me. I'm resourced. Man, my wife should love me. Absolutely. I should love her. And we should act it out, right? But man, if I go to her for ultimate love, man, it's, it's, I'm going to leave uh, upset because she can't love me the, the way that only God can love me, which is perfectly. I'm gonna let her down sometimes, she's gonna let me down sometimes, and if I rely on her for this love that I can only get from God, I'm gonna be a mess. I'm gonna be a mess. We're secure in Christ. We're secure people. If I'm not coddled, if my needs and desires aren't catered to, I don't have to go on blast about it. It's okay. It's okay. I don't have to go on blast about it. Because God loves me. God accepts me completely and fully and totally, not partially. And we see that ultimately on the cross. The love of Christ redirects our ambitions from ourselves to others. All the loudness and the boastfulness is just it's, it's directing attention on me. Attention on me. Look at me. The love of Christ redirects attention from me to you. From us to others. From us to others. And it brings a sense of freedom that enables us to live a quiet life. You know, we can even boast in Christ loudly. We can even boast in Christ loudly in an unhealthy way. We can be prideful 
We can be prideful about our faith and, and what we say. I think we see that a lot in the church today. We see that a lot in the church today. We can speak loudly about our faith and yet not lead a life that shows for our faith. Not lead a life that shows, that shows for our faith. Not let our life do the talking. Not let our life do the talking. Saying that I love Jesus does not express your true theology. You can say anything you want. It doesn't matter. Just because you say it, it doesn't mean you believe it. It doesn't mean that you believe it. Saying that you love Jesus does not express your true theology. True theology is shown in how you live your day-to-day -day life. If you want to know what I believe, look at my life. For better or for worse. Look at my life. Because my life is going to show you what I truly, truly, really believe. And God is calling us to, to live a quiet life. Not a loud life, not a boastful life, not a prideful life, not even prideful in Jesus. In the things that we say. In the things that we say. A quiet life in how we live. Paul calls them and us to let the way in which we live do the talking. To live, this is it right here. It's a quiet confidence. Not called to be silent. It's a quiet confidence in God. A quiet confidence in God. Paul then tells us that the natural result of leading a quiet life, here's so in the text, here, here's these two things. That's the natural result of leading a quiet life. So I've told you to lead a quiet life, and then here's kind of the natural result of that. And the first one, he says, is you should mind your own business. To mind your own business. Right? Mind your business. Mind your own business. You know, during his uh, two-week initial visit, you know, when Paul was on his missionary journey, and he went to Thessalonica, and he goes into the synagogue, and he preaches the gospel, and all these people, Jews and Greeks and Romans, they all come to Christ. Many of them come to Christ, and they form this church in Thessalonica. Paul gave them details about Jesus' return. Right? Jesus' return. Remember, he ascended, and he's going to return again. He's going to return again. Paul gave them details about Jesus' return. And in light of it, the Thessalonians were, were eager for it. They're like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. Because, you know, they were oppressed. People in the Roman Empire were oppressed. Jews were oppressed. Lower class Romans were oppressed. They were like, Jesus, come. And they were ready for it. And the way it was kind of explained, you know, Paul never told them when. You know, we're still waiting even today. We're still waiting even today, but they were eager for this. They were convinced that Jesus' return was imminent and just right around the corner. So some of them quit their jobs. Some of them quit their jobs. It's so practical. Work seemed pointless. Yeah, if Jesus is returning and it's right around the corner, I'm going to quit my job. Why do I got to work anymore? I'm going to quit doing what I'm doing. Their idleness. Their idleness created tension in the church, and it reflected a poor testimony of the church. So with too much time on their hands now, these, these certain Thessalonian Christians, with too much time on their hands now, they began intruding into everyone's affairs. You see how that works? You have too much time on your hands. What are you going to do? You're just going to start meddling in other people's lives, right? You just start meddling in other people's lives, and that's what they were doing. 
That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. Because they no longer had income, they mooched off of the others in the church. They mooched off the others in the church to meet their basic necessities, and there was a drain on the church. Paul has in mind those who had quit their jobs in anticipation of Jesus' return when he's saying this, to mind your business. To mind your own business. With so much time on their hands, they were needlessly just interjecting themselves into the business of others. You know, a person who minds their own business has little time to meddle in the affairs of others, right? When we got a job, we're working, we're busy. We don't have a lot of time to just gossip, meddle into other people's lives. We don't have time for that. Nothing is more disruptive to the unity of the church or our society than loud, nosy people. <laughs> right? This is so practical. But man, there was tension on the church. Nothing disrupts the unity more of a church and our society than loud, nosy people. We see a lot of it. We're not like the world. We're not like the world. You know, we should care about each other. We should be in community with each other. We should be engaging in small groups and serving here in the church and being together as much as we can. We shouldn't be nosy. Hey, Brown, well, you know, how much are you making in your job? What's your salary? Having all these, like, pointless conversations, right? Ask meddling in people's lives. That's not us. That's not what we're called to do. The details of other people's lives and the latest gossip do not concern us. Do not concern us. So what's the second thing that he says here? That's the natural result of leading a quiet life. So practical. He says to work with your hands. To work with your hands. In the early church, followers of Jesus then were, back then, were, uh, they, they were mostly uh, lower, the, the lower class realms of the society, and they were blue collar workers. They were blue collar workers. And in Greek culture back then, in the Roman Empire, they frowned upon manual labor. They did. They frowned upon manual labor. Hard work and toil and sweat were viewed as demeaning and undignified. Manual labor was undignified, and it was demeaning. It was thought to be in that culture. I love this book. We have this book in our little library card out there by Tim Keller called In Every Good Endeavor. It's about work. It's about gospel-centered work and what the gospel means for our work. And he says this. It's on the screen. Work was seen as a barrier. So he's talking about in that culture then, work was seen as a barrier to the highest kind of life. Work made it impossible to rise above the earthbound humdrum of everyday life into the realm of philosophy, which was considered thought to be the domain of the gods. The Greeks understood that life in the world required work, but not all work was created equal. Not all work was created equal. Work that used the mind rather than the body was nobler, less beastly. The highest form of work was the most cognitive and the least manual. That's how work, manual labor was thought. Blue collar work was thought in Greek culture. And you still see this residue of this mentality today, do you not? You still see this today. White collar work is esteemed higher than blue collar work. We still see that today. 
It's esteemed higher than blue-collar work. Vocational and technical schools are losing young adults to colleges, to graduate schools, and high-rise offices, right? That's happening. Either direction isn't wrong. White-collar work is not wrong. That's not what we're saying here. Either direction isn't wrong, but when we esteem on over one over the other or think one is better than the other, we're wrong. <coughs> we're wrong. Because see, God's view is very different. We see in the Bible that God's view of work is very different. All work is created equal. Every job is important. If you work in a kitchen, if you work at a Taco Bell, right? If you're a real estate agent, if you're a teacher, if you're a, a car mechanic, if you work in an auto body garage, if you work in a high-rise office, work is ordained by God. Through it, God enables us to live with dignity and purpose. With dignity and purpose. We don't honor God by what we do. Rather, we honor God by how we do it. By how we do it. I got my oil, my oil changed in two of my cars yesterday, both cars. And uh, Will was just really blessed us and helping us out with that. Go to the auto body garage, and I actually prepared this sermon basically in an auto body garage. This place was a total mess. Sorry, Will. <laughs> this place was just a total mess. It's actually about the clothes, just this beat up 25 year old auto garage, like oil everywhere, smells, and just total mess. And I'm in his boss's uh, office waiting as he changes the oil in my cars. And I'm preparing on this sermon. I really believe that God just brought together this situation with this text. And I'm preparing for this sermon in the midst of all of this auto body garage. I've never really been in an auto body garage of this nature that I was in. And I was just looking around. I'm like, man, God loves this. God loves this. Man, he loves what Will does. A lot of people would walk into this auto body garage and be like, man, this, this, I don't want to be in here. You know, this, this, isn't, this, this isn't like white collar work. This is dirty. Get me out of here. No, this is, this is solid work. This is good work that Will does, that the guys do in that garage. And when you pair Christ with that work, man, it is kingdom work. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Man, it's important. God loves this auto body garage. He loves the work that you're doing to work with your hands. Wherever God has us, we honor him by working faithfully and diligently with our own hands. Not the hands of others. With our own hands. Paul's command to the church reminds us that faith is practical and it extends far beyond Sunday morning. Far beyond Sunday morning. Paul was bringing their faith back to earth. Right? These Thessalonian Christians were like, Jesus is going to return. I'm quitting my job. I don't have to work anymore. Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's come back to earth, okay? Get your head out of the clouds. All right? We don't know when Jesus is returning. Keep working. Keep working. There's work to do. There is work to do. Don't quit your jobs. The promise of Jesus' return shouldn't cause us to drop what we're doing and wait. It's a reason to work diligently and purposefully and purposefully. 
We don't quit our jobs. We don't withdraw from the world. We engage with the world through working faithfully, right where God has us. We should be profitable to our community. We should be profitable to this church, to our church, wherever it is we are, based on not just what we say, but on the faithful work that we do. You know, and it's not just... It's not just like these jobs, you know, working in a kitchen or a real estate agent. You could be a stay-at-home mom, man. That's work. That's work. Faithful with the work at hand that God has right in front of us. Instead of taking advantage of others in our work, right? So how does this like look practically? Instead of taking advantage of others in our work, we will choose to quietly trust God. Quiet quiet confidence, to quietly trust God to supply our needs. Right? Instead of cutting corners at work, we will do our work diligently as for the Lord. Instead of cutting corners at work. I wish I heard this message before I got into ministry and really before I became a Christian. Because I didn't do this stuff when I worked before I started following Jesus. I would leave work early, you know, just counting down the time. Man, I just got to get out of here. And something would always happen because I would leave early. You know? That's not diligent. That's not diligent. You work till 7 p.m. If you're scheduled, then you work till 7 p.m. You get the job done. No cutting corners. Jesus' death and resurrection and his return doesn't give us a reason to be lazy. It gives us a reason to get busy. When those two guys in robes saw the disciples just staring into the clouds and in amazement. Why are you staring there? It's time to get busy. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. The payoff that you get from how you invest your time is God's business, but how you invest your time is your business. How you invest your time is your, your business. The payoff is God's business. Followers of Jesus who are secure in his arms live a quiet life. People hopeful in Christ live a quiet life. We stay busy. We work with our hands. And why? Why are these commands so important? Why? Well, the scripture says, so our daily life, our daily life will win the respect of outsiders. so that we won't be dependent on anybody. If Jesus is king, then we have a job to do. We got a job to do. Get your head out of the clouds. Stop staring into the clouds, into the sky, and waiting for Jesus. Keep working, we have a job to do. We're not asked to stand idly by waiting for him, for him to return, but to be on task of proclaiming the gospel, living out the gospel in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, where we work, where we work until the day that he returns. Living with a quiet confidence in God. Living with a quiet confidence in God, minding our own business and doing the work set out before us.